Your next trip ought to be in the air. The, uh, the lesson today, if you have your notes in front of you, we're going to pick that up and run with it for a moment. It's called The Danger of Arrogance. Uh, I always heard somebody say, it ain't bragging if you can do it. But, uh, but when it comes to arrogance, and arrogance can be an attitude, and we want to learn to, to have confidence and be ambitious without letting arrogance poison us or hurt us or cause a crash and burn. And so uh, uh, generally, somebody told me years ago, they said people that are really arrogant generally don't last, but about two, maybe three years max before they'll crash because they, they, they somehow just can't maintain that long enough and keep building. I don't know whether that's, that's uh, as true as it should be, but I have seen a lot of people that crashed fast. They had all the tools, but it went to the head too quick. So we're going to look at that today. When we talk about the danger of arrogance, there's a difference between strength, which everything listed, those 11 words there are characteristics that will be under someone with strength. The 11 words listed under arrogance would define them. There are three blanks there, so let me give you those three blanks as we fill them in, and I won't go through all the rest of them. The first one is, under arrogance, a sense of infallibility. A sense of infallibility. The idea that that, uh, nothing can touch me, nothing can hurt me. You spell that I-N-F-A-L-L-I-B-I-L-I-T-Y. All right? Infallibility. There you go. Uh, when you think about infallibility, the, the thing that I think of with arrogance and infallibility is probably the Titanic. You know, you think about the great big boat, and it was proclaimed, you know, the unsinkable ship. That's the only thing it ever did. It, it, it was... It, it was a, it was a ship that, that, you know, that people got on board and were told, you're safe. No problem here. And so as it made its maiden voyage, everybody was so at ease that while it's sinking, nobody believes that could happen. The last thought of their mind is that that ship was going to sink. And, and, and many times people in their lives can be living that Titanic level. You know, they're, they're going along thinking, somehow I got it all together. I, I never forget hearing a friend of mine called me one time and he started laughing and he said, uh, he said, do you remember? And he named a person that we knew. And I said, yeah. He said, do you remember his, uh, his famous saying, saying? And I said, yeah. And he said, what's the saying, Bill? I said, his famous saying. And it, there's a lot of truth in it, but this guy really got cocky. He built this business and it went so big and he would go in and tell his team every week, remember guys, it's not the, it's not the land, it's not the plan. And then he'd pop the button and say, it's the man. And, and, and he did that over and over. And, and he was the chief dog, hot salesman, all that stuff. Well, the, uh, the, the friend told me, he said, well, today he came in and all 28 employees walked on him. He said, and they had this big banner created and said, now, said, it's not the land, plan and it's not the land, it's the man. So see how the man does without anybody around him. And, and the rest of the team left him. And, and what had happened was he thought he was the Titanic. He got the idea. To, that, that he was the one that it all revolved around. I, I know this from that side of it. All of us need to sense a sense of uh, contribution and self-worth and be validated that we're good at what we do. Sure, we, we need that side that we can be confident in. But the problem with arrogance is, is the idea that they can't make it without me. And, and, and when, when you get to that level, what happens is, is that may usually be the part that brings you down. Even the Bible describes it. It says, pride goes before fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. And so that's kind of engaging the gear to have a crash and burn. There's another blank there that I'll give you, and that is an arrogant person will deal with this, inflexibility. 
Inflexibility is when it's kind of my way, the highway, we don't change, this is the rule, this is the way it is. And, uh, and I think life presents so many opportunities for us to be a little fluid and, uh, and, and, and to have to change some. That if you get too inflexible, sometimes in this fast-paced society, you can, be, you can be caught real quick and be out of the loop. And so there's a real need at times to say, these are the plans, but put that caution under it. But they could change. And, and, and that has to be a part of our attitude if we're going to make it. The other is another word down there that's missing, and, and that is manipulation. Manipulation. Now, across from it on the strength side is motivation. On this side is manipulation. Years ago, I... Uh, I helped this guy in a relationship that we were going along good. And then all of a sudden he did some things that, that caused him some problems with people. And, uh, and he said, and this was when I think we got to think out what the difference was. He said, Brother Bill, let me ask you a question. He said, what I do is a lot like you. I try to, I try to encourage, I try to help, I try to assist. And he said, but uh, he said, what got me in trouble on that was something that apparently you've stayed out of the ditch for for 20 years. He said, I've only been doing it two years. He said, and I've got myself a major mess. And, and he did. He had really hurt some people, and it came back to, to haunt him. And he said, and I don't understand because I followed your pattern, did everything I could to do it just like that. And I said, here's where I think if I can define it. And we came up with this kind of, if I can define it, I said, there's a manipulation and motivation look alike on the surface. You know, if you meet somebody, generally you can't tell. Are they a manipulator or a motivator? You don't really know. How do you know the difference between somebody that's manipulating and somebody that's motivating? Because on the outside, they look the same. Here's the way I define the difference. A motivator does what they do for you. A manipulator does what they do for them. If I'm a, if I'm a good car salesman and I've got a car over here that I know is going to have some mechanical problems and somebody's going to buy that automobile, if I'm a manipulator, I'm just going to say, hey, buy it, it's great. You know, be sure you get the extended warranty because you're going to need it. Uh, and that's what you're going to do. If I'm really doing what I should be doing for them, I'm going to steer them away from it. I'm going to say, we have that car, but to be honest with you, I'm not sure all the bugs are worked out right now, and I don't think it'd be a wise investment. And, and, and the difference with, between that motivator and manipulator is the motivation for why they do it. It's whether they're doing it for them or for yourself. And outwardly, um, we, we will always find... Good motivators will always be accused initially of being manipulators until people get to know them. And after they get to know them, then they say, oh, okay, now I understand. And so that, that's, one of the, that's one of the things you live with. And so understand that and do it for the right reasons. And in the end, I think you, you, you find yourself staying out of the ditch and helping others. Uh, the, uh, the arrogance part. When we mentioned here in this sentence now that arrogance affects ideas and communication in at least four ways. And so here's four ways. Arrogance will, number one, magnify information beyond its intended significance or meaning. Uh, arrogant, arrogant people have a tendency to, uh, to really put the spotlight on the, the area that they want to get pushed through at that moment. And uh, I read the, uh, the book Straight from the Gut by Jack Welch, and, and he told about how when they would meet in these executive meetings that he said, he said, I never made a decision at that moment. Because I knew that everybody coming there to sell it was selling it from a motivation point. He said, I wanted to filter it down and wait till the next day. He said, I don't believe in letting it linger so long it's stale. 
But I was always afraid of making an impulsive decision. So I'd always say, that's a good idea. Let me look at that. Would you put that in writing? Let me see that. And he said, I would do that to make certain that, that after all the smoke and, and all that got, got out of the way, I'd see the real thing. Uh, it, an arrogant person will magnify it so quickly there, they almost make you compelled you've got to act at that moment. The second thing they'll do is this. They will filter information because you allow in only what validates your own thinking and experience. One of the dangers, by the way, uh, in study and education is that, that uh, if, you, if you don't listen to opposing views and you don't see other uh, alternatives, the danger is you can, while you know your subject well, you cannot be balanced. And, and I think the best, the best life is a balanced life. I enjoy, because I've looked at things like you know, evolution and some of the sciences, I've enjoyed relationships when we've been with people that have, that have been a scientist. We have several in our, in our church. And they'll say, they'll bring up some issue or something. And they'll say, but now, you know, your, your degree's in theology, so you wouldn't understand this. And I'll say, but let me ask this. And I'll ask a couple questions. Oh, you, you know that. Well, I don't, I'm not as smart as they are in it. Just like they hadn't studied as much in theology, perhaps. But the good is, if I hadn't studied that, I think I'd be arrogant in one area and not understand where they're coming from. And so I believe the, the, the belief is for the, for the balance side is that you need to be careful about getting only from one source. Um, that, that's, that's, there's a real need for it. I mentioned the, the second sentence. You will also tend to conveniently discard, discard information that's contrary to your position. You know, an arrogant person really doesn't want to hear it, you know. They, they really would rather not hear it. And, and so uh, because of that, it'll get you in trouble. Number three, arrogance will alter information that comes in to support your own ideas or validate your position. Uh, you know, they, they have a tendency to make that read the way they want to. I read a book last month called The Smartest Guys in the Room. It was a book about the fall of Enron. The, uh, the, the, the man at the top of Enron never intended to deceive. And the second man didn't intend to deceive. If you read the book, you really get a clear picture of what they intended to do and what they thought and what their, their vision for Enron was was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And their strategy was brilliant. They went out to uh, Dartmouth and Wharton and uh, Harvard. They only went and got the smartest guys in their field to come work for them. And they basically brought in the smartest of, of the room. The problem they had was twofold. One was they, they threw away all the older people who had some wisdom. And, and they had knew the business. And they listened to just the young guys who had a lot of theory. That was one of the big dangers. The other danger was that they brought in the third guy who came in under them. And when, when he came in, Fascal, he was the particular guy that was so driving in his personality and dominant in his ways and kind of could overrule a room. You didn't argue with him. And, and he seemed to be the guy that, that turned the direction of the company. And the two guys above him, didn't, didn't answer him, didn't hold him accountable, didn't stop him. And they wrote out a lot of things they did that were false and altered, uh, thinking it'll, it'll, it'll wash. And in the end, the two top guys are the ones going under, and a lot of other people lost their entire life savings and career, all because it was a runaway wreck train because one man had learned how to alter some books. And, and so there's a, there's a danger in arrogance like that. In fact, they would tell you, They'd look back and they'd say, that guy that, that really turned the direction was the most arrogant person you'll ever meet. They said, strangers and friends all tagged him with one line, the, the arrogance all over. 
And, and that arrogance brought down the fall of a great big company. The, the fourth thing that arrogance will do is it'll fabricate information that never existed. When they get desperate, what it does is arrogance will cause you, in order to hold the position, to, to, to just make up stuff. And so there's a, there's a need for us to check in our own life pride and arrogance. I call it the pride ride. You know, when you take the pride ride, what takes, what takes place is where you were one time starting with a lot of potential. And, and you know, the danger is most of the people that I've seen that have fallen victim to arrogance and pride were people that really, they could have got to the top with their own natural skills. They had all the ability, but somewhere there was a deep seated need for validation and, uh, and they had to have that kind of affirmation. And when they, when they got out of control and they, and they took down the boundaries what took place was a wreck down the road. So in my life, in your life, the one thing I want to always do is no matter how good we are, we got to walk in that room, shut that door privately and say, wow, it was good today, but it's not good every day. And today was just one of those great days. And we give our creator, we give God praise for that. We also are grateful that today we've learned some things and brought it to the table. But, uh, but I can't walk around popping the buttons on my coat. I can't get the idea that it all revolves around me. I figured out a long time ago when I ride down the the, by, the, by the cemetery. There are a lot of wonderful people that made contributions, but they're not here today, and this world's still going. And when I'm one of those out there with them, it'll still be going. I don't think that time will stop. I don't think traffic will stop. I think when I'm gone, it'll still keep going. And, uh, and so there's a, if you ever get real proud, do this. Now, this is the good umbling test. Take a glass of water, fill it up, put your finger in it, and then pull your finger out. And if you leave a hole, then you got something to be proud about. But, but if you can't leave a hole in water, get a realistic view on life. It's okay, all right? Uh, you know what? You know what our true self-worth and self-esteem comes from? It's knowing, it's knowing an honest evaluation. This is what I'm good at, and this is what I struggle at, and I'm not good at. This is where I'm, you know, I'm healthy with. I'm okay with this, and over here, you know, I'll be honest with you, it's not my strength, and I'll probably mess it up. And, and when you can admit your weaknesses and acknowledge your strengths, I think that's a good balance to be able to live by. Let me give you an arrogance test. Here's kind of a test that, that you can do as you check for the pride ride. Number one, when someone's giving me constructive feedback, do I get defensive? Now, probably all of us get a little defensive. Uh, my first thoughts are, and what background do you have to give me that? You know, and, and, and I have to stop and say sometimes, Bill, be cautious, be careful, you know, the the guy, who, uh, the guy who has never been in, in my field wants to tell me how to run my field. I'm initially defensive. And then I have to stop and say, well, maybe he still sees something I don't see. So I need to at least be aware of. But, 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 but there's a self-protectiveness in it. Number two, do I tend to interrupt people because their point is irrelevant or inferior? And sometimes people with a lot of arrogance, you know, they don't, they don't even hear you. You ever had that? I, I had this friend that asked me one time, he said, do you know? And he named somebody. I said, yeah. He said, have you ever talked to him? And I couldn't help it. I said, no. I said, he's talked to me, but I, I've never talked to him. <laughs> and he said, that's what I'm saying. He said, let me give you an illustration of how he drove me nuts. And I said, what? He said, okay, start talking to me. Just say something. So I said, did you? And then he interrupted me and said, did you know that? And, and, and he interrupted me. He said, that's what he did to me. He said, all the way to Atlanta. He interrupted me the whole way, and he said, I'm telling you, I wanted to jump out of the car. Well, the person that he was talking about never took time to listen. Number three, do I get uptight, nervous, or intimidated when I'm around people who are in more of what we call powerful positions 
who are above me in the organization. Arrogance sometimes can do that. We, we get this idea that power means something so great that people that have a little bit, we're awed by. And then people that we think are beneath us or don't have as much power, we want to lord over. And, and I got news for you. All of us came into this world naked and with nothing. Okay. We came into this world. And, and when we go out, all we're going to have some clothes. Okay. But the truth is, is, is I don't, I don't, I have met people that have had it at all walks of life. This is a strange thing. I've met some people that had a lot of what they call power that were, you wouldn't know it if somebody hadn't told you they had it because they never were impressed with it. And then I met people that never had any power, never had any real power, and Lord knows they can strut sitting down. And, and, and so you just, I, what I figured out is that, that the ones that are really good, they don't even have to tell you they're good. Something about it, you just know they're good. And then there's others that, I mean, they, you know, they, they, you'd be scared if they really had real power. You know what I'm saying? They don't have any, so if they had some, it'd be dangerous. It'd be like Barney Fife with a bullet. You know, you just, somebody's going to get shot or arrested. The uh, number four, do I spend much more time talking than listening? That's why I think they tell us that we were created with two ears and one mouth, that, that we ought to be able to listen tw- twice as hard. I found that half the things I say because I'm a communicator and I'll talk, but I find that often in my life. If, if I will listen, I don't have to say half the things I say because really they will answer it or, or we'll get to it or I'll figure out that they didn't need my all-knowing wisdom anyway. And when I look back at some of the things I've said before, I've said, if I'd have just shut up. So I, I work with that one some. Number five, do I view people I report to as my boss or people who report to me as my employees rather than my colleagues? You can shift to that place to where they... You, you can be a little too title conscious. I'm always scared of people that, that are more interested in titles than they are in just being able to, to do their job. Um, you know, if, if you're good, it'll show. You know, I mean, that's all it is. Tim Hudson was here the other day, and he told me about the first time that he went up to, uh, to play ball at, uh, I think it was in the minor leagues. And he said, and, and it was a great story. He said it was a God moment. Uh, Scott, he's probably told you this, but he said it, it was one of those moments that, that just... I couldn't, he said, if I could have planned it, it could have been better. He said, when I went up to play on the farm team, I'd graduated from Auburn, had a great record season there. And he said, but these guys were good players. He said, and the coach came over and said, this is Tim Hudson. Let me tell you what Tim's got, what he's done. And here's all of his awards at Auburn. And he said, and these guys looked at me like, I'm not impressed. And he said, they just weren't impressed. And Tim said, I didn't say anything because he said, I, you know, the coach was saying enough to embarrass me now. He said, so I never said that. He said, they looked at me, and he said, one of the guys spit. said, he had like tobacco. said, he spit right toward my feet. And, and he said, what he was really saying is, Mr. Big Auburn boy, you know, la-di-da, we're impressed. You're in another league now. Timmy said, I went over there, and he says, and the guy pitching wasn't really impressed either. He said, he threw me a ball. And Timmy's one of those guys that's just as good batting as he is hitting. He said, I swear it stood still. He said, it stood still enough for me. I said, this is beautiful. He said, he thought it was heat. It was what I needed. He said, I hit that ball, and I could tell the moment it touched the bat, it's out of here. He said, that ball went right over center field. Timmy said, then everything in me said, do not smile. Don't say nothing. And he said, you'll lose it. If you do that, you'll lose And he said, I gritted my teeth. I walked back over, laid the bat down. He said, the guy that spit looked up at me and sat up straight, and he said, good hit. <laughs> he said, that was the day I got in. 
He said, I got in because they got to see what I could do rather than just hear it. And so the, the, the deal is don't, don't get caught up on all the other stuff. Let, 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 let your work you know, be, be enough for you, be your advertiser. Uh, number six, when somebody challenges my ideas, I take it personally. Here's one of the dangers. Sometimes we, we tie our self-esteem to our ideas or our work. We get so involved in it that our self-esteem is tied to it. And then we get too protective of it. And it ought to be that we have an idea and we think through it as best we can, but we hold it up like a diamond in front of our friends and we turn it all directions. And we're basically saying, if you can put some more light on it, do so. If you tell me where it's flawed, find it. Show me if this idea works. I generally in my life, I'll have the ideas where I want to go. But before I go with them public, I'll gather a group of people and I'll throw the idea out and I'll let them try to shoot holes in it. And my hope is that if there is a hole to be found, then, then we'll find it right there instead of after we launch. And so that's my hope. Now, what I've often found, though, and this is the good that you'll do, I've already thought of most of the objections that they bring up. So it, all it does is validate the position. I know now when they're saying this, I've thought about that. That's good. Yeah, I thought about that. That was good. Sometimes I'll have to say, whoa, I didn't think about that. Appreciate that. I, I need to cover that base. But I know this. If I hold it too personal, if that idea becomes so tied to my self-esteem, I'm probably going to be blind to the flaws in it. And it may come back to bite me. And so I, I've always believed this, that, that if you're secure enough, you can stand scrutiny. And you really welcome it. Now, if you're secure enough, you're, you're saying, help me out here. I don't want to have egg on my face down the road. It's those people that have uh, low self-esteems and pretty insecure that they really don't want to hear it because it, it, it kind of drives a little closer. And so don't get married too much to any of your projects. Uh, be, be bigger and a little bit detached from it. Number seven, the question on that is, am I surprised when people don't agree with me? I'll be honest with you. I'm sometimes surprised when they do. You know, and so, you know, I, I mean, I may see it and, and, and go for it, but, but I almost, when we're doing big projects, I kind of wish somebody would stand up because I know I don't want to be right. I know I'm not that good enough to be right all the time. And so every now and then a good, honest, have you thought about is a good sigh of relief for me. And, and, and so I believe that, that if we get, if we make enemies out of everybody that disagrees with us, it doesn't mean that we'll be right. It just means that we'll have less people around us that'll, that'll help us. Every human being has blind spots. We all do. And we need those people that walk in our life that will point out those things in love. And that will say, I love you, but can I tell you, this right here may hurt you. And this right here is not. I had a man tell me one time, I used to talk to just the men, kind of, I'd be real driven and pushing. And the, and the man would say, listen, you need to be careful because all you've got is boys in your family. So you talk tough like that. And you, you played football and you do all that. And, and, and ladies... They're not quite as, uh, you know, they need to be treated a little bit more gently than that. Uh, and, 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 and so I had to learn in the early days of pastor because I'd say stuff that was locker room talk from the pulpit, you know. And, and, and the women were kind of like, hmm, I can't believe you said that. And the men was like, yeah, Bubba, we, we, you know. And, and then, then I'd find myself later on saying, what, what was the deal? And, and I think all of us, if that friend hadn't have told me that, chances are I'd still be doing that. If you think I'm bad now, just you should have seen what it was. Number eight. Is this, do I solicit feedback from others with the intent and the expectation of hearing them talk favorably about me? Some people really, the only reason, that's the arrogance thing. The only reason they want everybody to give feedback is to sing how great they are. And, and when you've got a mutual admiration society, you really don't need everybody patting you on the back telling you how great it is. If it's good, you know it's good. 
What, what, you, what you want to do is make sure those people around you are trusted advisors. And, and, and so that'll keep the arrogance part. And that's why I tell you this. I believe this with all my heart. There's a lot of good that can be done by all of us if we keep that part in check. It is okay to get a win. It's okay to feel good. It's okay to be ambitious. It's okay to be driven. But when you get the feeling that I'm the only one that makes it happen, nobody's smarter than me. Here's a lesson that I learned a long time ago that, that I hope I can always treasure. Everybody can teach you something. Everybody can teach you something. If you're willing to, if you'll be a learner, you'll be wiser. Because in their field, they may know many things that you'd never know were not for them. And everybody. Your kids can teach you all kind of things. Uh, my kid, one of my kids tried to teach me surfing a while back. And another one was teaching me some stuff he even did on the Internet. I don't know how in the world they do that. These kids are coming out right now at early ages, and they're whizzing all around. And, and so they can teach you something. If we will learn from every person, and the way you do that is I think it starts with an attitude. Treat everybody as a VIP. They're created by God, so treat them all as a VIP. And, and when you treat people as a VIP and you listen to them, you'll discover that in your own life, it, it kind of takes care of that pride ride. You treat people the way that they ought to be treated, and, and I think it keeps you from looking at yourself as, as the only one that makes the world go round. And so I hope you'll keep that in check because I'm telling you, you go a long, long ways if that doesn't get attached to you. All right. I think Kathy.